0: To Totalus Rankium.
1: This week, Thomas Jefferson,
0: Part 1. Hello and welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie.
1: And I'm Rob, ranking all of the presidents from Washington to Trump. And today we are on our third president. <gasps> Who we've kind of come across a little bit before?
0: Yeah, well, he hmm. he was the, the dilly dallery did dilly dally. D- he used to dilly dally? Did he? Dilly. in France? Is he the one in France? My oh, he was in
1: France for a bit. Yeah. No, I'm he, getting mixed up with the guy in the key. Oh, Franklin. Franklin. I'm mixed up with Franklin. Yeah, no, Franklin and Jefferson are not the same person, but they knew each oh. other, and we'll find out when. Well, yeah, they got a mistake a lot of people make. so I'm yes. glad we've clarified in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes, I'm glad. <laughs> Yeah, we are going to be able to cover um, up to his appointment as Secretary of State this episode. Okie doke. So everything up until then, we should be able to cover in this episode. Do you know nice. anything about him at all before we start? I thought I did. But you're thinking of Franklin. Yes, so no is the answer. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's start. Jefferson was born to an aristocratic family from Virginia the biggest and wealthiest of the colonies. Tobacco, slaves, brilliant. Yeah, essentially. the days. <laughs> now, Adams was um, essentially a middle-class northern farmer. Washington was uh, married into the Upper Virginian aristocracy. If you remember, he met uh, his rich widow, Martha. Yes. Jefferson, however, is born in that aristocracy. Okay. He is, he's up there at the start. Okay. Apparently, one of his ancestors, although very distant is King David I of Scotland.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. A little yeah. factoid
0: for you. I well, if you are further enough or related to somebody, you know, rich and
1: famous. I go back far enough. Related, I think you've got to go back a good 600 years, Winston Churchill. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, shocking when I yeah. found that out.
0: I was, Yeah, we did an uh, analysis about my family, yeah. and I'm related to Sherlock Holmes.
1: Oh, are you? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, he's buried near us, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It would appear that the Jeffersons first emigrated to the New World from Wales. Ah, uh, oh,
0: that is, right, some, but...
1: Yeah, they all spoke like means. that. Um, that's some time before our story. The Welsh but. accent was probably lost. Aww. Yeah, unfortunately so. In 1708, Peter Jefferson was born in Virginia. What? He did Peter Jefferson, not Thomas. This is Thomas's dad. Oh, yeah, you've got it. Okay. Yeah. Peter Jefferson did not get formally educated, but worked hard to improve himself. He became a surveyor and a map maker, creating the first ever reliable map of Virginia.
0: Yeah, and it's still used to this day.
1: Yeah, and people before that lost all over the place. Yeah. Yeah.
0: People wandering around the,
1: the fields. Like, Where are we? Yeah. No, he sorted all that out for everyone. Nice. It was brilliant. Later in life, he delighted in telling all his children his adventures whilst map making. Yeah. <laughs> wrestled a bear.
0: Ooh. Spacey the Revenant.
1: Yes, in fact that happened to him. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he was left for dead. These stories apparently left a lasting impression on Thomas, something he remembered his father for. Peter Jefferson was also a magistrate, a sheriff, a judge. A sheriff! Oh yeah, he did all sorts. He was a very uh, interesting man. He was doing all right for himself when he met Jane. Jane Randolph was born in 1720 in England. Her family moved to America when she was very young. And when she was 19, she met and married Peter Jefferson. Now, the Randolphs... Were where the money came from. They were the upper crust of society. These are the ones that were descended from royalty.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Therefore, on the 13th of April, 1743, when Thomas Jefferson was born, he was born into a very rich family. Unlike most of the very richest in Virginia, the Jeffersons did not live on the east coast of Virginia, but much further inland what then would have been considered almost the uh, the western frontier, <laughs> although nowadays it's in the heart of Virginia. So very much still on the East Coast. Oh, right? yes, very, very yeah. much so. But back then, it was, yeah. it was quite far west. Okay. Couldn't even see the sea anymore. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas had several sisters. Jane and Mary were older than her. Elizabeth, Martha and Lucy and Anna were younger. And uh, he had one brother, Randolph, who was 12 years younger. So quite a large family, but not unusual back then. No, a lot of death. Yeah. Now, the family lived in a place called Shadwell. However, when Thomas was nearly three years old, his father moved the family to Tuckahoe Plantation. The journey to the plantation apparently is Thomas's first memory. His first ever memory is riding on a horse with a slave, a pillow under him to help absorb the shocks. (laughs) Electrical. Yeah. it's (laughs) Back when they were running horses on tracks for a while, trying to find a more efficient way of travel. Yeah. It didn't last. No, they tried steam power horses, but they just kept exploding.
0: There's only so much coal you can get into a horse.
1: (laughs) It's a 50-mile journey, apparently, from Shadwell to Tuckahoe. Uh, Obviously, this journey left an impression on him. He remembered it for the rest of his life.
0: I guess back then, 50 miles would be like a a seven-month journey.
1: Uh, Maybe not quite seven months, but it would have been a long journey (laughs) for a six-year-old. And his slave. Oh. Yeah, as things were back then. Now, Tuckahoe, this plantation, belonged to Peter Jefferson's friend and cousin, to Jane Jefferson. This man had died, and the Jeffersons moved in to take care of the plantation and the orphan children who their friend had left behind. That's good. Yeah. Thomas spent the next six years there in the plantation. He was bookish and he was quiet. He'd often go walking in the woods, and along the streams he'd hunt, presumably with his father, and just generally... Do things young boys did back then. Sounds quite similar to uh, John Adams, even though he's up right. in the Norths living a very different life. It's uh, getting to know nature. Well, all... I guess that's what Adams wanted to do, but he was forced to do work, wasn't
0: he? he was forced yeah.
1: To... Well, yes. I mean, this is before Jefferson's really formally introduced to education. Oh, OK. What, one thing he does love doing, however, is learning to play music. Oh yes, he learnt to play the violin and would accompany his sister Jane while she sang for guests. Became a very accomplished violinist, apparently.
0: (laughs) Imagine like his sister singing beautifully, like you know soprano, sounds amazing. Him going, (laughs) 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 got to
1: start somewhere. Everyone politely clapping. That's that's lovely, Thomas. (laughs) Kill the child. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the same. Could have been worse. Could have got the drum kit.
0: Ooh,
1: yeah. Now, Peter, his father, uh, being self-taught, saw the value of good education and started to think of his son's future. So he hires various tutors to come to the house and teach his children the basics of reading and writing. At about the age of nine, the family moved back to Thomas's place of birth, and Thomas is enrolled into a school. Now, this is a boarding school ran by the Reverend William Douglas. Thomas spent most of his time at school, returning maybe three or four months of the year. So, we'll off away in a boarding school which apparently is fun or hideous yeah, depending on what you read <laughs> Yeah. in school he was taught Greek, French, Latin and he took to his studies very well despite the fact he hated his teacher at the age of 14, however, sad news arrived Thomas's father, Peter had died Aww. the well named two family friends to oversee the family finances and Thomas was placed in a new school closer to home, enabling him to return home at weekends
0: that's good
1: Yeah. His new tutor, apparently, was much better. He was a fierce defender of the Church of England and disliked anyone who was not part of the church, which irked Jefferson. Hmm. Uh, But he did admit he was a better tutor than his old ones. Thomas spent two years learning Latin and Greek, mathematics and the classics, and he also spent six months learning to dance, interestingly enough. Ooh. Yeah. Like reggae. Breakdancing. Breakdancing. Yeah. He he could spin on his top. Oh, wow. Yeah is that a breakdancing move? It,
0: yeah, that's that's when you put a spin top down and you stand on it and it spins
1: right. Right, OK, yeah. He was doing that as well as playing his violin. Now
0: that's impressive.
1: <laughs> yes, yes it is. Around this time, news came through of a young Virginian militia major bravely fighting off the French in the Ohio region. This little nugget of news of George Washington would have had very little impact on Thomas's life. But just to just to root you into the now, that's that's what Washington's up to at this point. Yeah, way. yeah. yeah. In 1760, Thomas decided he'd learnt all he could from these local schools and he was ready to attend college. Which I quite like the fact he decided this, not his teachers. He wrote to one of his guardians of the family fortune and basically said, Yeah, can you send me to William and Mary College in Williamsburg, please, which is the capital of Virginia at the time? I've, I've learnt all I can now. I think it's time I went to college. And the uh, the overseer went, well, yeah, yeah, okay, I suppose. <laughs> all right. Off we go then. Now, William and Mary was the oldest and most prestigious college in the colonies bar Harvard in Boston. Right. So it's where all of the elites in Virginia went. So age 16, Thomas and his slave Jupiter set off for the capital. Jupiter? Yeah, some nice. of the slaves had uh, interesting names. You could tell what their master's hobbies were based on their names <laughs> quite a few were named after roman gods
0: yeah interesting william and mary i guess that's king william and queen
1: mary yes that's where that yeah. comes from so they arrive in the capital williamsburg at this time had about a thousand free residents and about a thousand slaves living there so even though it's the capital there's no really huge places in virginia no. it's very rural It's a town full of brick and wooden structures Although it seems very small to us, this would have been a far bigger place than Jefferson had ever been before, so he was probably quite impressed with it, yeah, now, in a time and place where you where your name meant far more than your ability, education in college was pretty much optional.
0: <laughs>
1: you would graduate regardless of whether you actually showed up for lectures or not, nice, so if you wanted to learn something while you were there, great, if you didn't yeah. <laughs> Thomas, however, threw himself into his studies. He would have fun. Occasionally he would gamble and he'd drink and he'd play his violin at oh, gatherings. You mean he drank at college? Oh, yes, he did. Shocking, I know. And he fiddled. And he fiddled. <laughs> uh, but this was all seen as as good fun back then. We, we don't do things like that anymore.
0: We don't fiddle in public.
1: <laughs> no. However, Jefferson was just not a huge party-goer. He would study for 15 hours a day. Whoa. Yeah. He's just one of those swatty kids.
0: Wow, that's
1: that's very sad. That is that is at least fifteen times more than we used to when we were at uni. <laughs> yeah, and that so was obviously more. Good so. day. <laughs> I think we're
0: in negative numbers.
1: Yeah, his favourite professor at the time was called Professor Small, who taught philosophy and ethics.
0: Ironically, seven foot three.
1: Yeah, he, he was. Uh, through Small, he was introduced to a very prominent lawyer called George Wythe, and also the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, who was called Fauquier. For choir. For choir, It's a hard yeah. one to pronounce. F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R. There's just too many vowels. choir. This is how they spent their evenings, <laughs> trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. Yeah, so his talent on the violin went down well in social gatherings with his new friends, these prominent men, and Jefferson was treated more, almost like an peer, an equal than a student. Hmm. So he, he's rising in social status very quickly. After two years, Jefferson finishes his college study, maybe because he actually did some work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. His interactions with wife had encouraged him to become a lawyer. Just like Adams in Massachusetts, Thomas in Virginia had no law school that he could attend. And just like in Massachusetts, you, you're just taken on as an apprentice. Yeah. Unlike Adams, however, Jefferson got on really well with his tutor and loved this time. He joined Wythe, copying out writs, studying the law. Uh, It was tedious and hard, but Thomas got on with it. However, Thomas had an advantage that John Adams never had... Wythe also thought that it was very important that an apprentice of his also learn history, philosophy and ethics to give context. So Wythe was all about bettering his students rather than just using them as a photocopier. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Try to make him be a person. Yeah, yeah. So you don't just learn civil law, but go and find out who Justinian was and how he shaped the law codes of Europe. Go and read some history books. Go and... Go find out what the world's about, young man. Nice. Yeah. So Thomas spent five years studying under Wythe, which is more than twice as long than was common. Not because he was slow, but because he just enjoyed himself. Aww. And it was during this time that he meets Rebecca Burwell. Rebecca Burwell. Yes. Rebecca was from another very rich family in Virginia, and she was supposed to be quite the looker. <whistles> Jefferson was planning to go on a tour to Europe after he qualified and wanted Rebecca to wait for him. He knew that they would have to get engaged for that to happen, however, and don't expect her to just mm. sit there and wait. So, OK, all I need to do is propose. They went to a dance, and this was the night he was, he's going to propose. Oh. But he's so nervous that he could barely speak, and I quote, he could only speak... A few broken sentences, uttered in great disorder, and interrupted with pauses of uncommon length. <laughs> that's that's his own. That's Jefferson's words. There. That's how oh, he really? described how he spoke.
0: Oh, I've got just got a bit of a question for you, and here here it is.
1: <laughs> yes. Thomas, are you feeling okay? Do to drink? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just really, really awkward. Oh, that's really He could sad. get his words out. He didn't propose that night. The next spring, he was devastated to learn that someone else had proposed. Oh, no. And she had accepted. No. He threw himself into his work.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah, he missed his moment. He had a whole year. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, there's nerves and then there's the phrase, the next spring. <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, come on, Jefferson. <laughs> Your finger, huh? Yeah, that's a shame though, isn't it? Anyway, he starts getting into politics around this time. The Stamp Act had just been rolled out. It was hard not to be involved in politics in the colonies. Jefferson was in the foyer of the House of Burgesses when a member named Patrick Henry, angry at the British for this tax, declared, and I quote, Caesar had his Brutus, Charles his Cromwell, and George may well... And then the rest was drowned out by shouts of treason by other ah, people. Okay. Thomas was very impressed by this, however. thought it was a stirring speech. It yeah. M- mentioned some Romans, and that pleased everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, Thomas, proudly British. He's an English gentleman. Yeah, But also, very proudly Virginian. And these two ideas start to conflict in his heads. Mm, that's going to, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, his five years, about, by this point, are about up. Studying under Wythe, and he applied for the bar. He's going to be a real lawyer. Now, to get in back then, you didn't have to sit a test. Someone had to swear that you were up to the job to a committee. (laughs) So, wife did that. Um, It's not just that, though. It's a bit more rigorous than that. After someone swore that you were up for the job, you were then asked a couple of questions. Probably the most important being, name? (laughs) Jefferson. Ah, yes. Wonderful. So, you studied law. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Brilliant. And how's your father, wonderful. <laughs> yes. So that's part two. It's a three-part process, though. So uh, part three, you then went out for a meal with your examiners. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you celebrated. Jeffson passed this this rigorous process <laughs> uh, and became a lawyer. I imagine you probably would have found why he did harder than if
0: he did just in a test, though. Have to go out and you
1: know, he wasn't the best public speaker, was Jefferson, so maybe, mm. maybe he would have done. He was a bit shy at times, yeah. so maybe he would have found the questions of name uh, <laughs> quite <laughs> tricky. But uh, yeah, it, it wasn't particularly difficult. But then, Jefferson, you get the impression, definitely would have passed any test they gave yeah. him. He, he was very bookish, he threw himself into his work anyway. In 1767, as a fully fledged lawyer, with arguably the best education that the colony was able to provide for him. He was ready to continue with his life. Yes. Now, one of Thomas's earliest cases was a father and son dispute. Thomas took one case, and Wythe took the other. Nice. It's not clear, but it would appear that Thomas wins against really? his mentor in this one. Really? Yeah. It's not recorded, um, but he was paid twice as much in the end. So we assume he won that one. Um, so well done, Interesting, Thomas. Yeah. yeah. He was also elected to the House of Burgesses. A formality, really, for him, as everyone knew he'd get the post. Yeah. He's Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So there you go. He's in the House of Burgesses. As I've said, he wasn't a great speaker, apparently. He was hesitant. He was quiet. uh, But he started to build a reputation for being able to write. He could quill.
0: Nice. Like, quill were the best of them.
1: Oh, yes. He was well known for his elegant prose that managed to distill long arguments into short paragraphs. He could get to the knob of the situation. Like a, a Feynman, then. Ex- Richard Feynman, a great explainer
0: in science. He could you know, make something really complicated and summarise it beautifully and really simply. Then
1: yes. I'm guessing. I thought you were just talking about a Feynman. No, no, not Feynman. Yeah. No, no, no hoses here. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who that is, but I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Just like him. <laughs> now, Thomas started thinking about having a home and a family. He's, he's sorted his career oh. out. I mean, he's... Uh, he's
0: lost his chance now. Well,
1: no, he's he's still young. He can still have his family. How old is he at this point? He's still in his 20s at this point, so, yeah. I mean, probably thinking about retirement, to be honest. He's a <laughs> Virginian aristocracy. Uh, but, yeah, time to settle down. Yeah. Yeah. He decides he wants to build his own family home rather than live in Shadwell. We don't really know why. There are theories that he did not get on very well with his mother and wanted to get away from her. And start his own family house, but that's speculation. Yeah. He's very wealthy, and he's got plenty of land and plenty of slaves. Now, on one of his plantations, four miles from Shadwell, he therefore decides that's where he's going to build. Nice. He levelled a hilltop and started construction on a house that he called Monticello. Monticello. Yeah, meaning little mountain. Monticello.
0: Yeah. yeah. But he, he took the whole top of the mountain, so it's not really a... That's why it's little. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's either that or everyone living there just constantly drank lemoncello.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Which, uh, let's say that. Little limoncello. Oh, it's good stuff, so isn't nice. it? nice. Yeah. So every, everyone was always smashed on lemoncello. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy to drink. Yeah. Building was delayed unfortunately, when a fire in his library in Shadwell in 1770 destroyed much of his collection of books. Oh no. Plus the plans for his new home. This would have devastated him. His book collection was his pride and joy. Around this time, news of the Boston Massacre sprinkles down into Virginia. Yeah. Thomas probably would have felt the loss of his library was more important. Those northerners... They're always looking for trouble, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Don't even have slaves. <laughs> <laughs> Fools. Still, building went on. And it's no good having a family home with no family. True. He'd recently made friends with another lawyer called John Walker. Jefferson liked his new friend, but he liked his wife Betsy all the more. Hey. Oh, yes. He attempts to seduce her, but she rebuffs his advances. Ah. This comes back to haunt him later on in life. Oh, yeah. However, he soon puts this whole episode behind him, and he finds someone far more suitable. Now, apparently, Virginia back then was absolutely full of filthy rich widows called Martha. Yeah. I mean, you could barely move for them, apparently. Okay. Washington married one, and uh, Jefferson found one as well.
0: Oh, did he? Yeah,
1: yeah. <gasps> was it was the same one. No, no, a different one.
0: i bet it's the same one. What a scandal that
1: would be. <laughs> that would be a scandal. No, it's definitely a different one. Oh, this okay. is Martha Wales Skelton. I, I just think you, you go outside, you you throw a stick, and you just hit a rich <laughs> widow called Martha. <laughs> now, Martha had uh, married at age of 18, but her husband had died, which is a shame, so she moved back home with her son, who unfortunately died shortly afterwards as well. So she'd had a traumatic year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then she meets Thomas. She's about twenty-one. Oh, she's still really young then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I like a sixty-year-old. No. Come on, dearie. You, you got young widows called Martha. You got old widows called Martha. they were, they were just widows called Martha. Middle-aged Martha. Yeah, all over the place. By seventeen seventy-two, Thomas and Martha were married in her father's house, and as they travelled to the incomplete Monticello, the worst snowstorm in living memory hit. Ooh. Giving up on their carriage, they carried on on horseback, finally reaching the single-room outhouse that was the only complete building in Monticello. Oh dear. Yeah. When I say outhouse, I don't mean toilet. I mean, <laughs> it was a little separate building. Yeah.
0: But, <laughs> but stacked yeah. the gills with cello.
1: Oh yeah, that it was just cello and a couple of straw mattresses. And mm. That that was their honeymoon night. Yeah. Now the two were very much in love, apparently. They'd play music together to impress their guests, they'd share books, they'd read to each other. They really, really got on well. This is a a true marriage of love. Yeah. Which certainly didn't happen all the time. And Martha soon gives birth to little Martha. Oh. Yeah. Jefferson also has a sister called Martha. Martha was a popular name. Meanwhile, Thomas was getting more involved in his role as a member of the House of Burgesses. And by this point Thomas had decided that his love for being Virginian outstripped his love for being British. Mm -hmm. The various taxes had taken its toll on his loyalty. Plus, just like Washington, being a member of the Virginian aristocracy meant that he was up to his eyeballs in debt. It was tough being a farmer back then, and the only way to live as he was socially supposed to as a member of the aristocracy was to spend well beyond his means yeah there wasn't anyone in the upper crust of society who was not up to their eyeballs in debt it was okay. a a problem in virginia that eventually was going to have to be sorted out mm. not by sensible spending however of course not no. of course not um, you, you you get a
0: short little short term loan with like a uh, apr of like 1720
1: yeah yeah Think about it tomorrow. Put the envelope behind the yeah. stack of lemon cello yeah. and don't think about it. Yeah. yeah, that's what he did. And he then ordered a piano from London for his wife. <laughs> and that must have been so insanely expensive back then. Yeah. A piano is bad enough, but to transport it across the Atlantic... I mean, even now... Yeah. So that's just one example of... Uh, extravagant spending that he'd do especially on his wife now Thomas along with some other representatives began to think that the colonies really need to work together if they're going to overcome Britain so together they propose a committee of correspondence reaching out to other like-minded politicians across the colonies and it's around this time that news of the tea party reached them those those northerners they were sticking up for their rights they were that's good yeah maybe they're not all just up to trouble (laughs) However, this was the beginning of troubling times for Thomas personally. His childhood friend, brother-in-law, and partner on the committee of correspondence died suddenly. Mm. It was one of his closest friends. Years previously, when they were children, they promised that the last to die would bury the other under the tree that they used to play under. Mm. Yeah. This tree was on the land in Monticello, and Thomas buries his friend there. But the deaths don't stop. Oh, dear. Yeah, close childhood friend, dead. Then, seventeen seventy four, his sister died whilst out in a storm, possibly hit by lightning, but we don't know.
0: Oh, for reason, I don't know why.
1: <laughs> Death
0: by lightning hilarious.
1: <laughs> You're just imagining a cartoon charred person, like, still yeah. stood in a field smoking slightly. Yeah. Yeah, it was like
0: that. And as they get hit, you see like, a skeleton through their like
1: skin, like they as they gather yeah. up in the air and. Yeah, let's say that happened. That's more fun than imagining the actual hideousness of the event. Yeah. Yeah. He might have been cheered at this point by the birth of his second child, a daughter. That's nice, isn't it? Oh, dear. Yeah, she was sickly and she died shortly afterwards. Yeah. His father-in-law, he dies. Okay. Um, There's a lot of death all of a sudden, and all this happens within a year or two of each other. Really? Yeah, so it must have been a really tough time. I mean, the father-in-law dying does give him a lot more land and a lot more slaves. Every cloud. Yeah, but it also gives him more debt. Yeah. Because obviously everyone's in debt, and he's now got that debt. So, uh, yeah, swings and roundabouts, I suppose. All this personal tragedy is taking place when the intolerably Gittish acts occur where Britain is just punishing the colonies for yeah. daring to stand up against them. Jefferson, in between all the grieving that was going on, wrote a summary view of the rights of British America, which argues that people had the right to govern themselves. And this gave Jefferson a bit of fame for his well-written argument. Mm-hmm. And then the First Continental Congress takes place. Jefferson doesn't go to this one. Okay. Yeah. But he does welcome the news that the colonies were going to boycott the British. Ooh. Yeah. So, he likes the outcome. Now, if you remember, it was decided Congress would meet again in a year's time to see how the boycott's going, and this time Jefferson is chosen to go as part of the delegation. Nice. However, before heading off to Philadelphia, news came through that the British had in fact attacked in Massachusetts. The militia there had bravely fought them off. Those Northerners, he thought, always bravely fighting for the cause. <laughs> well done, those Northerners.
0: Tell
1: Yeah. Now, as we saw in the last couple of episodes... The Congress was at an uproar. Once the Congress started, it was quickly decided someone needed to go north and lead the armies. Jefferson witnessed John Adams from Massachusetts stand up and suggest the only person who has a uniform should go. <laughs> the one looking slightly to his left and yeah. <laughs> you know, holding a massive sword. The one coughing in the corner. <laughs> should we send him? With his hand in the air. <laughs>
0: <coughs> pick me, pick me!
1: Actually, no, Thomas wouldn't have seen any of that because he missed it all oh okay yeah um, he was held up because his mother had just died
0: oh yeah it's really sad. not a great
1: time for Jeff so this Yeah, as I hinted at, he doesn't seem to have got on well with his mother, but even then, I mean, it can't have been nice, and there was a lot of things to do when uh, your mother dies. So he was actually late, so he didn't get to see John Adams suggest that Washington lead the armies. He arrived in Philadelphia just in time to see Washington leave for the North, so he got to wave him off. Jefferson soon gets caught up with what was going on. Now the North, especially Massachusetts, led by Sam and John Adams, were pushing for independence as the only way to win the war that they'd started. <laughs> the Middle States wanted to reconcile with Britain. After all, it's only a skirmish, hardly a war. We can reconcile and just just think of the poor money. <laughs> <laughs> we could lose a lot of business out of this. The South and Jefferson agreed, were mainly with the New Englanders. The representatives of Virginia all had their debts to think about. That's true. And had become infuriated by Britain's trade laws regulating tobacco. They felt they could make a lot more money on their own. Mm. So they were all for independence. Whilst all this debate's going on, Thomas made a couple of friends. Chiefly the 69-year-old Benjamin Franklin, the printer, writer, philosopher, scientist, inventor... Who is not... Thomas Jefferson. No. Uh, Je- Jefferson almost made that mistake himself. It's a common mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he thought he was looking in a mirror. Uh, <laughs> got a bit freaked out. Yeah. yeah. Thomas, 33 at this time, um, looked up to Franklin. That's exactly what I want to be when I'm 69, he thought. I want to be a polymath genius that everyone loves, an intellectual, respected by the entire country. Nice. That's the plan. <laughs> Franklin, whose gifts included making friends very easily, enjoyed the company of this young man, too, became firm friends. Also, due to their shared feelings on independence, Jefferson met and got on with John Adams, hmm. partly because they were put on the same committee. Now, this committee was charged with looking into what independence would actually look like. It's all very well just saying independence, but let's actually get some details here. Yes, yeah, I before you, you commit to a big country-making decision, know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, at least it. have some kind of discussion, committees looking in the pros and cons, so people are well-informed before making a huge decision. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just jumping into it. That'd be foolish. Very foolish. A good job things have changed. Now, it was decided in this committee that someone's going to have to actually write up the formal declaration. I mean, it's, it's busy work, really, a bit of paperwork, and we'll, we'll all talk about the important stuff. Someone needs to write this up, though uh adams do you want to do this Uh, adams was very busy as we saw last week he had a lot to do he'd risen in stature was one of the main people in the congress um so adams declined so jefferson was approached jefferson you're good with a quill aren't you do you want to uh, do you want to write up this declaration now it should be noted later in life neither adams nor jefferson agreed with this account adams claimed that he realized the declaration would be accepted more readily if written by a Virginian.
0: Right.
1: So he approached the Virginians and asked for Jefferson to write it. Right. Jefferson himself remembers that the entire committee approached him before Adams. Ooh. Yeah. No one wanted to look back and go, what, Declaration of Independence? Yeah, we just kind of went, do you want to do it? Yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> We winged it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's just not luck you want, really. <laughs> written a napkin. <laughs> so yeah, what what needs to be remembered is that no one thought this document would be particularly important. People were writing documents every day. This was yeah. like a huge national congress. The the concept of independence was hugely important. This was a bit of paper that had to be filed away somewhere. However, it happened. And Thomas Jefferson was given the job to write the Declaration of Independence a document that eventually would become arguably the most influential written in US history. Jefferson heads back to his boarding rooms in the house of a bricklayer and locks himself in for 17 days. Wow. Just with a quill, a loaf of bread and a stack of limoncello.
0: Ooh, it's a flown by.
1: Yeah. The words and thoughts of the document were not particularly original. Jefferson himself stating that this was on purpose, and I'll quote here, It was not to find out new principles or new arguments, never thought of, but to place before mankind the common sense of the subject. So he wasn't trying to do anything revolutionary here. He just wanted to get it down on paper, and he wanted it to be well written. Yeah, simple and elegant. Yeah. After a lot of work, he had the first draft ready. He agonised over this. (laughs) But he'd done it. The first draft is done. The Declaration was a short philosophical outline that justified the Revolution, and it has the famous line, We hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable, that all men are created equal and independent, and from that equal creation they derive rights inherent and inalienable, among which are the preservation of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Borrowed heavily from the philosopher John Locke. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, as said, it's not hugely original nope. at the time, but the, the, these were the ideals that they were going yeah. to build the revolution around. Yeah. Nice. This introduction was seen as a nice little literary flourish at the start before nice. getting to the meat of the documents.
0: A lot like the bit of all men are created
1: equal. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, the meat of the document was much longer. but That was a list of things that King George had done to annoy the colonies. <laughs> yeah. Just has the word get repeated. Yes. Now, this was the important bit that most people were interested in. Yeah. Not, not the sort of sugar finger coating finger. at the beginning. The, yeah. This was the important part. Then there was a moan about Parliament and the British people as a whole for not listening to them. And i quote Pardon? <laughs> And I quote, at this very time, too, they, the British people, are permitting their chief magistrates to send over soldiers. So a bit of a moan that the, uh, the people of Britain aren't sticking up for them. And then he ended with a conclusion that independence was their right. And that's, that's roughly how it went. Yeah. Jefferson, very proud of his draft. This was wonderful, he thought. Best thing he's ever written. But then, a writer's worst nightmare. Criticism. It had to go... Suggested edits. (laughs) It had to go back to committee. And then, not just an edit, a group edit would have to take place. Oh no, with people that can't write and... The first line of the second paragraph, where Jefferson had done some philosophising, was altered. It now read, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
0: Hmm.
1: You've got to admit that's better than it was originally. Because <laughs> when, when you first read it, I kind of that that's not how I remember it. Yeah, no, that was Jefferson's first draft. You've got to admit the committee did a good job of tightening that line up yeah, a yeah. bit. I mean it's clearly a yeah, chaff. Yeah, it's clearly still Jefferson's work, but it's uh, it's been improved. Hmm. Congress also objected to Jefferson's paragraph attacking the British people. They didn't like that bit. That's fair enough. It'd be far more effective, they argued, if they only attack George Third. They yeah. had been betrayed by their kings, so they could revolt. They weren't falling out with their fellow subjects. That's true. Plus, those more far-sighted pointed out that in the future, when dealing with Britain, it would be a bit smoother if their declaration wasn't littered with anti-British feeling. Yeah. Yeah, once George III was gone, you could just say, yeah, we moaned about an old king you had. But you guys, though. Oh, oh yeah. Special relationship. <laughs> Only with you, unless we're talking to France. Yeah. <laughs> Jefferson hated every moment of this hated oh, oh yes he was forced to sit and watch as they just struck out an entire paragraph that he had labored over oh. yeah he it he found it awful franklin tried to to reassure him uh, that it's fine this is what happens but yeah jefferson hated it and then came the most controversial part jefferson had written this about george iii He has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery into another hemisphere, or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. So, he blames solely George III for the slave trade. He goes on to say that George III did this against the colony's wishes. And he is now using those men to fight against his subjects in the colonies. Um. Yeah, this paragraph Jefferson had included to combat the fact that many in Britain and in America who were anti-independence were rightly pointing out the irony of slave owners crying out for liberty. Yeah. So Jefferson's trying to combat that argument. Well, it's not our fault. It's your fault. You impose slavery on us. Mm. Yeah, the line <laughs> had to go. To begin with, most in the Congress didn't actually want to see an end to slavery. No. So should we just not mention this because our economy will collapse should we just leave this bit out? And two, this is such an obviously weak argument that it actually damaged the credibility of the document. If you're just gonna lie, then the whole document kind of falls apart. No one's gonna believe that it is just Britain who caused the slave trade. It is definitely a two-way system, this. So it had to go. Eventually they were finished. As I say, Jefferson, not too pleased. However, history is pretty much on the side of the committee. It's generally accepted that the new draft was better. This is not to take anything away from Jefferson. A huge bulk no. of the work is definitely his, and he deserves the credit. Mm. He just hated the editing process. Well, I'm sure. Any, any,
0: you know, any book you read has been published has been through an editing process with with the publisher.
1: So. Yeah, and I th- think it's fair to say most writers find the editing process quite painful. Yes, but yeah. I left
0: that in there for. There's a reason. Yeah, no,
1: get rid of it. You can't just strike out an entire paragraph. It's all character building. There's <laughs> no backstory now. It is interesting to think, though, if you went back in time and showed the committee how important this document would become that they'd just edited, they'd have been amazed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man. I guess that makes just like a riddle of the bill. Yeah, I'm just it's just us, you know, me.
1: I mean, independence was important, yeah, but it was seen as the admin part of an important decision. <laughs> now, on the 2nd of July, Congress approved independence. On the 4th of July, they accept the declaration. It was signed with no ceremony whatsoever by two people, John Hancock and Charles Thomas, the current President and Secretary of the Congress. Nice. And then, over the next few days and weeks, copies were made, including the formal copy that has all the famous signatures on, the one that people show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't done in a big ceremony or anything. No. No. Jefferson, getting over his pain of the editing <laughs> process, was finally very proud of his work. The 4th of July, however, was probably very routine for him. Yeah. But now let's pause for the narrative for a while and discuss the elephant in the room that's always lurking behind any discussion on the Declaration of Independence, which you've already alluded to. Mm. The famous line, all men are created equal. And how this links to Jefferson's philosophy. So far, we've seen one slave-owning president who was uncomfortable with the slave trade as a concept, yeah. um, but ruthless in upholding it personally. Yeah. We've also seen a man who did not believe in slavery and did not own slaves. Hmm. Now, this is hugely debatable, but from what I've seen, I would argue that Washington and Adams would come across as quite racist in today's society, but back then... Not particularly so. No. It's very easy and completely understandable to conflate racism and slavery in America. Yeah. These two hideous things work together to create the slave trade. Yeah. However, it was and is, I would argue, possible to have opinions on them separately. Yeah. Now, Washington was not particularly nice to his slaves at times, but... I never got the sense that that was due to their race, more due to the fact that he fully believed that he had the right to own people.
0: Yeah.
1: Adams was insensitive to the plight of slaves. If you remember, he compared his office job to being on a slave galley. Oh, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, insensitive, but again, not necessarily linked to race. That was just him being a bit ignorant. Yeah. And then we get to Jefferson.
0: Okay.
1: Jefferson is full-on badge-wearing racist. Really? Oh yes. He fully believes that white men are superior to any other ethnicity, that inherently the black population were just inferior. Okay. And so the contradictions of Jefferson begin. For example, how can someone writing All Men Are Created Equal and write paragraphs stating George III had waged a cruel war against human nature in regards to slavery be so racist? it seems like a contradiction. Yeah. Also, Jefferson was, at this time, anti-slavery, whilst owning slaves. (laughs) Contradiction.
0: Yes.
1: He was into slavery the same way Washington was. In theory, bad. In practice, I've got some slaves. Right. Yeah. Uh, So you've got those contradictions. However, what you need to realise about Jefferson is that he did not want to free black slaves. Oh. He wanted to see black people shipped back to Africa. Oh. Yeah. And as for all men are created equal, well, it's fairly obvious if you don't see Native American men and African men as real men, then they're simply not being referred to in this statement, in the same way that women are not being referred to in this statement. All men are created equal just means all white men are created equal.
0: That's really sad. Yeah. very
1: depressing. Now, Jefferson is our first and certainly won't be the last very divisive president for this reason.
0: Yeah.
1: Should Jefferson's failings overshadow his achievements? Well, he's a product of his, of his time, isn't he? He is, but we're, we'll discuss that more when we rate him and yeah. how much that should be a justification. Because it is a tricky one because Jefferson is is a contradiction mm. and he's very divisive. Still, I realise we, we've Gone down a bit of an analysis rabbit hole there when we're supposed to be doing the biography, but I think it's important to know Jefferson's mindset yeah, in yeah. regards to race at this stage because his actions in the future are a bit clearer because of it. Makes sense. Okay, so back to the na- narrative here. In September 1776, Jefferson left Congress. He'd found the whole experience of writing the Declaration quite painful. He missed his family. Time to take a break. He entered the new Virginian government and was appointed to a committee that started to figure out what the new Virginian laws were going to be. They're a state now. They need to figure out their laws. Mm. It was there that he gains a couple of new friends, James Madison and James Monroe, both younger than him. Uh, But the three shared many beliefs and got on very well. Those names sound familiar. Yeah, put a box around both of those. We'll be getting to them Mm. quite soon. Now, not everyone on this new Virginian committee agreed on what their new laws should be. For example, Thomas wanted to get rid of the law that the eldest son inherited all of the wealth in the case of the death of the father.
0: Interesting. Obviously he wants some of the money to go back to the to the, the Congress in Virginia?
1: No, not quite. Well, he he said that it seemed too much like monarchy to um, have the eldest son inheriting everything. All right. It just didn't seem fair. So he proposed that the money be split equally between all children of the deceased. Yeah. Seems quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. This did not sit well with others on the committee. <laughs> or the eldest-born first yeah. one. <laughs> Which most of them would be, because the eldest-born sons were the ones that were sent off to become politicians. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, not everyone agreed with this. A compromise was suggested where the eldest got double and everyone else shared the rest. Yeah. Jefferson replied that that would be fine if the eldest son needed to eat twice as much as his brothers and sisters. Oh... Yeah. Or we could turn
0: a phrase, couldn't we?
1: <laughs> yes. He also argued against liberal use of the death penalty. Mm. I mean, you, you could get the death penalty for a lot back then. Um, things such as polygamy and sodomy, you could get the death penalty for. Jefferson argued that that's not really anyone's business. The government shouldn't be giving out death penalty for that. Wow. After all, castration would be much better. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. He's only going to go so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He also pushed for a statewide education system, fully believing that if a nation were going to be free, then they must be educated. So he's coming up with some nice ideas here. However, his biggest push came with the idea that state and religion should be fully separated. Jefferson, unlike a vast majority in America, was not particularly Christian, not in the traditional sense. He was a deist. He believed that God created the universe to follow a a set of rules, but then left it to its own devices. Jefferson very rarely shared these ideas with anyone else. They wouldn't have gone down too well. But his own personal religious views did help shape his Bill for Establishing Religious Freedom.
0: Nice.
1: Which declared that the state had no right to dictate what religion a person believed in. Now, on Jefferson's tombstone, years later, obviously, <laughs> he's not <laughs> chiselling one out now, um, he had written on his tomb's, tombstone the three things that he was most proud about in his life. Writing the Declaration of Independence was one, and this bill was the second. The bill failed to pass at this time, but it wouldn't be long before it was accepted and widely celebrated. Hmm. All this hard work is paying off, and in 1779, Jefferson was elected as Virginia's second-ever governor. As you can imagine, the war dominated everything. The war's still going on. Washington's still running around trying to do things. So, first thing on the agenda was the location of the state capital. Should they move it from Williamsburg to Richmond? Richmond was far more central, further away from the coast, making it less vulnerable to British invasion. Also, on a personal note, Jefferson hated Williamsburg's architecture uh, Mm. and wanted to help shape the growth of Richmond. So, let's move the capital to there. Far better. By now, messages were flying in from John Adams and the War Committee on the Continental Congress, and also from Washington with the Continental Army. They needed more funds. Virginia was the richest state. You need to start helping out here. We are really, really struggling. However, Jefferson and most other Virginians realised it was only a matter of time before the British turned their their sights on Virginia. and They wanted to make sure they kept enough behind to defend their own state. Fair enough. So Jefferson spends most of his time trying to balance this problem. A tricky Mm. balance. He does alright though, because he's re-elected the following year. Just as news comes through that the British had indeed turned south, and they had targeted Georgia. And then in December, they finally arrive in Virginia, led by none other than the traitor Benedict Arnold. Ah, oh, Benedict! Naughty Benedict. Now Arnold, knowing that the capital was now in Richmond, headed straight for the city. Jefferson oversaw the evacuation, and Arnold took it with no resistance, but withdrew shortly afterwards. <laughs>
0: <There's> nothing here. <laughs>
1: It was not long after, however, before reports came through that the British, now led by Cornwallis, was thinking of taking the capital again. You might be wondering where the defence is. Why can't they defend the place? Um, well, they don't really have a defence. Ah. And Jefferson, in true Republican revolutionary style, was convinced that the people would rise up and fight against oppressors. Oh dear. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Virginian militia was on standby, but they just were not able to provide serious opposition to the British.
0: No, you have like, I don't know, Chad with a pitchfork.
1: Yeah.
0: Hunter with a with a, a scythe. Someone with a spork. Oh, oh. Yeah. Ooh. You know, a lot of damage with that, though.
1: Yeah, you could. Yeah, well, as, as Washington had argued for most of his life, relying on militias and the people, it's just not as good as having an actual army. No, because like
0: armies are trained to run towards the enemy, because that's their job people run away because they don't want to die. Well, soldiers don't want to die as well, but, you know, there's no incentive for them to... Yeah,
1: yeah. They don't do a great job of defending Virginia, unfortunately. Now, the British sent a cavalry unit to try and take the capital by surprise. They almost succeed. Jefferson and the other representatives narrowly avoid capture. The cavalry unit then takes Charlottesville and Monticello. No. Yeah. And then Jefferson's second term ended. And here's where he makes a little bit of a mistake. What would you do at that point? Your term's just ended. You've been chased out of the capital. Your home's been taken over. You'd go somewhere else. Would you go right, that's it, my term's ended and go home.
0: No, because your life's in danger. That'd be a stupid thing to do.
1: (laughs) Well that that's what he does. I mean he doesn't go home to Monticello, obviously. That's been taken (laughs) over. (laughs) (laughs) It just turns up one day. Pass all the red coats, you know, waving, Hi, tell (laughs) you. I'm home. Martha. <laughs> oh, I see you found the lemoncello. Happy self. <laughs> yeah, he he goes to a different home. Um, he just says, "That's it, my term's up. It's uh, down to someone else now." Uh. Yeah, not great. Many Virginians not happy about this. Start accusing him of cowardice. Some demand an investigation into the conduct of the state's executive. It's looking a bit embarrassing mm. to say the least. Jefferson, however, was saved from this humiliation due to the Continental Army showing up with the French and defeating the British in Yorktown.
0: Yay! I mean, boo!
1: (laughs) Conflicting emotions from (laughs) you there. Now, the inquiry against Jefferson still went ahead, but the man who had set it in motion didn't even bother showing up. The public mood's changed. We've just won the war, essentially. So, Jefferson took the floor, delivered a speech answering all the allegations against him point by point, and then went home.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: feeling a bit better and swearing never to get involved in politics again. I wonder what the first president will be that doesn't at some point swear never to get involved in politics That's again. True. Because yeah. everyone has so far. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he seems a bit ha- happier in retirement. A visitor at this time recounts how Jefferson would draw and write and play music. No. Yeah, but it's not to last. No. No, shortly afterwards, in August 1782, Martha becomes ill. No. After giving birth to their sixth child.
0: Sixth?
1: Wow. Yeah. It looks bad. Jefferson stayed at her bedside for all hours. According to one witness, Martha made Jefferson promise never to remarry because she hated her own stepmother and didn't want their children to have a stepmother. After about four months of this, it becomes clear that she's about to die. Jefferson collapses... His sister ordered the slaves to carry him to his bed, fearing that if he was present at the moment of Martha's death, it would be too much for him and he would die also. He was in a delicate state for some time afterwards, apparently. He roamed aimlessly around his land, sometimes with his daughters, sometimes alone. He burnt all of his wife's letters. The only writing he kept was what she had written just before her death, which was a quote from a novel that they both enjoyed. And I'll quote here... Time wastes too fast. Every letter I trace tells me with what rapidity life follows my pen. The days and hours of it are flying over our heads like clouds on a windy day, never to return. More everything presses on. Jefferson then finishes the quote, either with Martha or after she died. And every time I kiss thy hand to bid adieu... Every absence which follows it are preludes to the eternal separation which we are shortly to make. That's a bit depressing. Bit depressing, isn't it? He keeps this parchment with a lock of her hair locked in a secret compartment in his desk. Oh. Oh, it's really sad. It is. Yeah. Oh. However, life goes on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was <laughs> okay. finally awoken from this depression when he received word that the Continental Congress wanted him to join John Jay, John Adams, and Benjamin Franklin in France to discuss peace terms with the British. Yeah. Oh, he'd always wanted to go to visit Europe. He wanted to do that in his teens, didn't he? He never got Ooh. around to it. Monticello had become quite depressing of late. So, uh, yeah, why not? All the black drapes and the yeah newly painted black walls. Black candles. He's out of limoncello. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Red wine. Oh. He's gone full-on goth. Oh, dear. It's not great. Yeah, so he decides, why not? Let's do it. However, before he can set off, word comes through that, amazingly, Adams, Franklin and Jay had already sorted it all out. Brilliant. Cool. Oh, you, you did it, then. Not only that, they got everything they could have wanted. Yeah, they'd stabbed France in the back to do it, but still, a win's a win. Yeah? Uh, Yeah, did it. Still, he's determined to throw himself into politics once more. He needs something to distract himself. So Jefferson went to Philadelphia to represent Virginia. There was a lot to do now that peace was had. One area that took up a lot of discussion was what to do with all this new land they now had. They got all the way up to the Mississippi from that agreement with Britain. So what are we going to do with it? Many, including Jefferson, understandably hated the British model of a mother country running new land until, I don't know, there's a revolution or something. So Jefferson argued that new land should be self-governing until it reached a certain population size and then they could apply to become a state in the United States. Nice. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah, it's a sensible system. Um, he also proposed that surveyors should divide the land into in- individual farm-sized rectangular plots, keep it nice and neat, and the new states would have names using Native American languages, Greek and Latin. Oh. So these new states, according to Jefferson, should have names such as Sylvania, Asenopeia, Metropotamia, Polypotamia, Illinoisia, Illinois, maybe, has a lot of vowels on the end of that. It's not Illinois. Um, oh. Saratoga and Washington. These were some ideas of his. Yeah. yeah. Some of Jefferson's ideas were accepted, some weren't. The names were rejected. Fair enough. Although Washington becomes a state and Illinois becomes Illinois, so that was close enough. Yeah. yeah. Jefferson also hoped that all these new states would ban slavery. Really? What? Yeah. As I said, he's fairly anti-slavery at this point, in the same way Washington was. It's like, in theory, it's best if we don't have slavery. Virginia is locked into the slave economy. We can't get out of it, but new states shouldn't adopt it. It's a bad idea.
0: Because you're so reliant on it, getting rid of it you can't do without...
1: Yeah, exactly. You can't be crippling it. You can either see this as Jefferson saying slavery is bad, we shouldn't have slavery. On the flip side, you could see it as him being horribly racist and saying we don't want anyone but white people in the new states. It depends Ooh. how you read that. Yeah, that's not. not He's an interesting contradiction as Jefferson. This motion loses by one vote. It could Ooh. have uh, could have changed the way things were done slightly there, but yeah, it loses. The issue of slavery rumbles on. Uh, other things, though, he does it this time. He suggests that the U.S. adopt uh, a more sensible money system based on decimals. Hey. Yeah, let's face it, it's ridiculous using this system we're using now. Let's use a nice decimal system. It's rejected for now, but it doesn't take long to take effect, which is why you end up with dollars and cents.
0: See, why not then adopt that to measurement systems as well? Why are they still. Why are you still using Imperial?
1: I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? It doesn't make sense. It's like, I do find the the map of countries that use the imperial system quite amusing. And there's like two or three. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, we are. We're, we're closet imperialists. Oh, yeah. We're not much better. We still use miles and pints. Yeah, we, we formerly used the decimal system. But in our national curriculum, we've still got inches in there. Yeah. But anyway, back to Jefferson. Uh, in 1784, a position opens up. Jefferson was selected to join John Adams and Benjamin Franklin in Europe to make some trade deals Ooh. fantastic he thinks I will go to Europe so he makes his way to Boston with his eldest daughter who's 12 at this time and William Short his personal secretary
0: oh the 7 foot 3 guy
1: no different short, there's many
0: shorts oh that was small wasn't it
1: that was small yes yeah,
0: short.
1: <laughs> oh yeah Short's like 7 foot 8 I think Yeah, big weightlifter <laughs> yeah Now, the crossing was uneventful, and uh, in August, they arrive in Paris. Oh, first time. Yeah. Just like Adams, Jefferson was shocked by the scale of the city, the grandeur of its buildings, and the squalor and the misery of the poor. (laughs) Yeah. Now, as it happened, he arrived in the city about the same time as John and Abigail Adams came from London. He becomes really good friends with his acquaintance that he had before. Uh, He gets on brilliantly with Abigail, the two of them form a bond. Eh? Uh, no indication of that. Just good friends. No, no, I bet there was. No, uh, yeah. bet they got
0: to know each other.
1: Well, there's indication of him getting to know others quite soon. So you would oh, okay. thought if he got to know others, we'd hear about Abigail. Let's just say it happened though. Yeah, makes it more interesting. On top of the Louvre. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So yeah, Jefferson and Abigail at it like rabbits. <laughs> okay.
0: Behind Jaden's back.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, unfortunately. Some bad news followed them across the Atlantic to break up this love affair that we've just made up. His youngest daughter, Lucy, had died of whooping cough. No! Yeah. In an attempt to distract himself, Jefferson throws himself into his work, talking to Dutch and French ministers. Now, he gets on really well with Franklin and Adams, despite their uh, coolness to each other. But he found French society a bit too much. Now, remember, Jefferson's not a hugely outgoing person. No. So he likes to spend more of his time with the Adamses than going out in French society. <laughs> and then word comes through that Franklin was retiring and Jefferson would take over as ambassador to France. Meanwhile, Adams would become ambassador to Britain. Yeah. So Franklin leaves and Adams goes to Britain... And Jefferson's on his own. Aww. He worked on various trade treaties. He also became a sort of informal spy, noting down anything that he spotted whilst on his diplomatic missions <laughs> and sending them to J. Washington and Madison back home. I love that.
0: 1143. Saw a market stall selling oranges. Highly suspicious.
1: A- anything pertinent, perhaps. <laughs> okay. not, not just anything. <laughs> However, all this being a diplomat and taking down notes, didn't take up all his time, and Jefferson was soon looking for something to do. He shared a book wish list with Madison and was soon seeking out quality texts as well as musical instruments to play. Mm. One day, he was upset to read a book by a French author called Georges-Louis Leclerc. That's my awful pronunciation there.
0: Georges-Louis Leclerc.
1: Yeah, that's your also awful pronunciation yeah. there. Um, it was called The Natural History, and it claimed that everything in Europe, plant life, animal life, even humans, were stronger than those found in the New World. Oh, Oh, yes. Jefferson was obviously angered and horrified by this blanket statement about an entire population of people based solely on where they were born. He ain't taking that sugar. Oh, no. Oh, No, no. Um, ignoring the irony gong, furiously bashing behind him, (laughs) uh, he decided to write his own book to refute this, or rather finish a book that he'd been working on sort of part-time for quite a while. He wrote Notes on the State of Virginia. Nice. This is essentially a cross between an encyclopedia, a philosophical manifesto, and a love letter to his homeland. And there's a portion about slavery. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. He used slavery as an excuse to discuss his opinions on race, as we've already discussed. The black race was inferior in skin colour, facial features, body type and manners, according to Jefferson. He stated at one point that slavery was bad, but he also discussed how black and white people should not live in the same society, and also how the state freeing slaves would be very tricky. Yeah. So he's starting to publicise his private thoughts at this point. Oh dear. Throughout, he writes with apparent impartiality of a scientist. The entire thing he's writing almost as if this is a just-accepted fact, presenting opinions as facts or reasonable assumptions. Do you want to hear a quote? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I advance, therefore, as a suspicion only, that the Blacks... Are inferior to whites in both body and mind. The unfortunate difference of color and perhaps faculty is a powerful obstacle to the emancipation of these people. Yeah, uh, it'd be really awkward if someone turned on the podcast
0: just. The
1: <laughs> oh yes, it would. <laughs> Let's hope no one ever takes that out of the context. <laughs> That's horrible. And, yeah. Well, to give this a bit more context, Notes of Virginia is not all about his racist views. This is no, a no. small section of Notes of Virginia. Uh, but it's definitely the bit that sticks out with modern audiences. Yeah. There a lot of people in the US and France and Britain at the time who thought it was pretty good, actually. He certainly was not alone with his thoughts. Oh, no, no. Now, talking in Britain, Jefferson then visits Adams and uh, they go and see Shakespeare's house. And then Jefferson meets... King George, yeah. King George, does not like Jefferson. Snubs him. Ooh. He's uh, he's read some of Jefferson's works before. Ooh. Let's let's not forget Jefferson is the person who wrote the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Which literally is a list of reasons why George III is a bad person. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> George not too impressed. With is him.
0: is George III. That's
1: right. Uh, yeah, we're still yeah. the third here. So he heads back to France, and when he's back in France, he meets a portrait artist. He gets on with this portrait artist, but he gets on with his wife a bit better. Hey. Oh, yes. A woman named Maria Cosway, 27 to Jefferson's 43 at this time. She was young, energetic, creative, and dazzling. Jefferson falls instantly in love with her.
0: Do you think the artist came home one day and said, Why are there acrylic bomb prints on my canvas? Uh, um. (laughs) There's one on that one, there's footprints on the other.
1: (laughs) Some underwear with TJ initials in them, (laughs) hanging from the chandelier. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, hi, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Still posing for your nude, I see. Yeah. Um, It would appear the feelings were returned. The two actually fall in love with each other. They spend a lot of time together anyway, going on walks, visiting museums. One day, in a show of bravado, Jefferson attempts to vault a fence... Oh
0: man, you never do that, not at forty three. <laughs> I wouldn't do that now at thirty. No,
1: he trips, he falls. Yeah. He breaks his wrist. Oh. Yeah. He... That's
0: hilarious. Can yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you still try to play it cool. Oh, <laughs> oh I think
0: so. <laughs> oh, bye. It is fine. Oh yeah, Maurice always got that angle. I'll walk
1: it off. Walk it off. It'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, he has to write with his left hand for quite some time afterwards. Yeah, they've got lots of shaky signatures (laughs) from this time.
0: Brilliant.
1: Now, we have no proof of how far their relationship went. Some historians claim that it was just Jefferson flirting with this young woman. Yeah, it's most likely they had a full on affair, though. Yeah. Now, Maria's husband suddenly insisted that they move to London for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> no idea why. No. Um, Jefferson sends Maria a 4,000 word love letter. Ooh. Yeah. But they both know that this cannot continue. Shortly afterwards, Jefferson hears the Shea Rebellion. Remember, this is where some people in Massachusetts have a little bit of rebellion, people yes. realise the government's not really working. Jefferson writes to Abigail, who's still in London. The spirit of resistance to government is so valuable on certain occasions, I wish for it always to be kept alive. I like a little rebellion now and then. It's like a storm in the atmosphere. Oh, just romanticising it. He's very much an idealist, yeah, isn't really is he, Jefferson? Yeah. He then takes a, a tour of southern France and northern Italy, looking for Roman ruins, because they love the Romans. And then he's back in Paris. His eight-year-old daughter arrived she no. had been sent for, with her 14-year-old slave called Sally Hemings. So, oh. they arrive. He also receives word from his other daughter, the one who was already in France. Yeah. Uh, she'd been put into a French boarding school run by Catholic nuns. Ooh. Yeah, he'd made it clear to the nuns, I I want you to educate my daughter, but leave religion out of it, will you? (laughs) He said to the nuns. Yeah, Yeah, uh, it's at this point he receives a letter from his daughter saying, I've decided to become a nun, Daddy. Yeah, Jefferson immediately went there and pulled her out of the school. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) No, you will not. (laughs) By now, back in the US, they decided the government wasn't really working. They need to rewrite the whole thing. They need to do something like appoint a president or something.
0: <laughs> Maybe unify, have like, the states united in some way. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, they need to sort it out. Now, Jefferson was really frustrated about being away from all of these decisions. Hmm. He attempted to keep up with the Constitutional Congress, but he's a long way away. It's going to be like a month at least out of date. Isn't well, it? it could be a round trip of letters. Could be yeah. between two to four months. Wow. Yeah, with this delay, it's just impossible to keep on top of things. So in dribs and drabs, he gets news on how the Constitution was coming along. Hmm. Mainly, he approved with the direction. He was was annoyed and angered by the lack of a Bill of Rights. He really felt there should be a Bill of Rights for citizens. Uh, It didn't seem to be coming, but there's not much he can do. He's, He's in France. Some young upstart named Hamilton was claiming that you didn't need a Bill of Rights because the Constitution gave the government no power that they could use to invade people's rights. Jefferson thought that was nonsense. Of course they needed a Bill of Rights. Need a and safeguard. He, yeah, he wrote to Madison talking about how important it was. He also wrote to several other people voicing his opinions, both good and bad, about the way the Constitution was shaping up. Hmm. I like that part you sent me. Oh, you've told me about something else I'm a little bit worried about. He was just being open about his feelings. Yeah, fair enough. And then one day, he was horrified to learn that certain people had been publishing his letters to support their own arguments. Oh, like, taking things out of context, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like, well, Jefferson clearly supports it because he told me in this letter, look. Or Jefferson clearly doesn't support the Constitution, he told me in this letter, look. Yeah, Yeah, not great. He'd sent those letters confidentially. Yeah, but he wrote that on the bottom. yeah. (laughs) But there's nothing he can do. I mean, by the time he read the letter, this would have happened possibly a couple of months previously. Yeah, yeah. so he's really out of the loop. He's finding it frustrating. Eventually, word comes through that an agreement had been made. No Bill of Rights, uh, but amendments could be made. So don't worry. Okay. We, we can amend the Constitution at a future dates, And we, we've done it. We've got a Constitution. Yeah. We're going to elect a President. So Jefferson goes on another tour in Europe through Central Europe this time uh, makes some new trade deals just generally does his job nice gets back to Paris I mean things are getting tense in Paris though <laughs> well these aristocrats seem to be a lot less heady than they used <laughs> <Yes>. to be yes <laughs> We obviously have no time whatsoever to go into the ins and outs of the French Revolution. No. Uh, but let's just say it's about to kick off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A group of politicians representing the people rather than the nobility of a church had been denied access to the assembly. They had their own assembly and called it the National Assembly. These were men full of stories about the American Revolution. Some had even fought in it. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah. Jefferson, with his connections, was able to go and watch this assembly. He was very excited about it all. Decided they weren't going to put up with all this aristocracy anymore. Right, soon start which turned into a march on the Bastille, an ex-prison-turned-armory. The guards were all killed. The building was taken. Jefferson overjoyed by all this, France is following in their footsteps to overthrow tyranny. Oh dear. <laughs> their two nations would become a beacon to the world. They would show everyone the way to freedom. Officially, he stayed out of it. Obviously, he's a foreign ambassador. He's gonna stay neutral here. In private, however, he significantly helped Lafayette write the Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizens. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, and you can tell. Remember that first line of the Declaration of Independence? Yeah. Right, well, here's the first line of the Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizens... Men are born and remain free and equal in rights. The goal of any political association is the conservation of the natural and imprescriptible rights of man. These rights are liberty, property, safety, and the resistance against oppression. It's like his first draft. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he got to uh, go back to his original draft. So he he helps write that. Did it have in brackets underneath that screwy Congressional Congress? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're not changing this one. (laughs) However, despite the great start, news starts coming to Jefferson about bloodthirsty mobs and mass shootings into unarmed <laughs> crowds and things like that. Yeah. He starts making nervous jokes in his letters about the poor wanting to cut people's heads off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He installs bars onto his windows. He'd be (laughs) fine, he was sure. This revolution was a great thing as soon as the poor just settled down a bit. Yes, calm, calm down. Yeah. And then Jefferson's time was up and he was due back in the United States. There was a slight problem, though. All the boats have been burned. Not that, it's a personal problem. Okay. Sally Hemings... That was the 14 year old slave who's now a 16 year old slave. She is pregnant with Jefferson's child. Oh, dear. yeah. That's bad. Yeah, Sally was Bad not- Jefferson! <laughs> Sally was not like the other slaves. For a start, she was mixed race. That's not in itself uncommon. But the reason why she was mixed race was because she was the child of a slave woman and Martha's father. She was Martha's half sister his wife's half-sister. Yeah. Now, according to one source, she pointed out to Jefferson that she could be free in France, and if she was going to go back to the United States, he had to promise that her children would be free by their 21st birthday. It would appear Jefferson agreed to this, because Sally does go back to the US with Jefferson. Bad Jefferson. Bad Jefferson. <laughs> I'm
0: going to say it now If doesn't stupid. <laughs>
1: Perhaps excited by the French Revolution, Jefferson planned to go back home for six months and then return. <laughs> yeah. In November 1789, Jefferson, his daughters, Sally and the other slaves, land in Virginia. And there was a shock waiting for Jefferson back home. Washington, who had just been appointed as the first president, had selected him as his Secretary of State. Mm. That is where we'll end it for today. Oh, OK. What do you think so far?
0: Oh, what a get. <laughs> Bad Jefferson.
1: <laughs> yeah. He has flashes
0: of brilliance, but ooh, dodgy character.
1: Yeah, it really is a shame because there, some, there were genuinely some things to like about him. Some of his political views. He wants more equality for people in many areas. Yeah. He's quite forward-thinking or revolutionary in some areas. Oh it looks but, a good old revolution, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, oh, I think Bad Set Jefferson I, sums it up for quite a lot of his views and his actions, <laughs> like. I, I I think he needs to really pull something out of the bag next episode. He really <laughs> does.
0: He needs to, you know, invent
1: rockets or something. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's face it, already he is going to have quite a big deduction. Due to his disgrace, Gate score. Yeah.
0: yeah. And just the fact with the slave girl. Oh, that's wrong.
1: It, it's not right. It's, no. 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 Um, yeah. Bad Jefferson. Bad Jefferson. But maybe he does something brilliant next week that makes up for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to find out next week, won't yes. we? Yes, we will. Right, thank you very much for listening. And uh, if you have enjoyed this, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes. Um that would help spread the word. That would be fantastic. Don't forget, you can
0: follow us on our uh, American President's Facebook page, which is American President's Total Rankium. We're on Twitter as well, which is the same as our Roma one, and where I'm endeavouring to put a new fact every day
1: on this day. I like it. For as long as I can be bothered. I've enjoyed them so far. Yeah. Well then, all that needs to be said is goodbye. Goodbye. Here we are. Now, Jefferson, can I just thank you for your work on this document. We are very, very impressed.
0: Thank you. I have worked tirelessly for 17 days, locked in a room with nothing but a slice of mouldy bread, some jam and 62 bottles of lemoncello.
1: That work it gets a bit wobbly near the
0: bottom. It's pretty much illegible near the end.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, it's wonderful stuff, Thomas. Mightily impressed. A couple of changes, we were thinking. Just just small. Just small. Nothing big. I mean, it's wonderful stuff. Um, We're just thinking, do we need to attack the British people as a whole? Well, yes. They're against us. The king is against us. The country is against us. We get it, Thomas. But if we just attack the king, we, we, we don't come across as petty... Bitter. We're, we're revolting against our king who has done us wrong. But what about the letter I got from Sue who lives in Durham? Well, you explicitly mentioned that. We were questioning it. Something to do with three pounds of fish. I mean. It was four pounds and she knows it. Yes, I. Uh, personal attacks on individual citizens of Britain. I just don't think it's the place or the time. Um, yeah, maybe take it up with her personally. So, we're just gonna cross this bit out. Uh, yes, and um, this bit with with the slavery, I let's just put that away, shall we, Thomas? What? Why? Uh, it's just a bit embarrassing, really, isn't it? Anyway, cross through there. Uh, uh, cross, uh, uh, no, Thomas, it's gone. Leave it. Let I, it go. Let it go, Thomas. Uh, now, um, Ah, now this bit, we're all loving this bit. Ah. Big, long list of why George is horrible. Oh, yes, it's, yes. I, it's not a criticism, it's just after point 241, the repetitions are less concerning than uh, how surreal it's starting to get. They're all true. Did he actually put babies on spikes? I, I heard from Sue in Durham that he did. Is he genuinely Genghis Khan's love child? Well, I mean, most people are. Well, quite, I suppose. Um, Ah, yes, this one here. Is it even possible that he impregnated that duck?
0: I think we can spend all day talking about what is possible, what is not possible. We could spend all day arguing this, but we need to get across the overriding message is he is a massive git, as you see through points 246 to 371.
1: Yes, they all say he is a massive git. Yes. Yes.
0: I think it's true to hammer it home.
1: Ah yes, which is uh, what do you say in point 429 is exactly what he does to poor people. With a radish. I've I've heard it. Right. Tell you what Jefferson, I'm gonna let you choose your top ten.
0: No, I I, I need more, there's there's more than ten.
1: We're gonna leave this quill here, we're all gonna go out for a limoncello, and when we come back, we want just your top ten, okay? Ah man.
0: I was, yeah, we did uh, an analysis of my family. And I'm related to Sherlock Holmes. Oh, are you? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he's buried near us, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) Imagine if this is the first episode someone chose to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) What the... No. (laughs) I'll listen to somebody else. (laughs) Oh. It really, really got on well. This was... sounds like us. Yeah. This was... uh... (laughs)
0: so it's an image of just very very vivid image of you just lying in my lap me reading you something <laughs> <laughs> from the Beano or something <laughs> sorry
1: Karen it's a lovely image <laughs> we can make that a reality yes we just need a Beano